Here occurred the frightening and shocking history of Prince Dracula and the woman he loved. I have crossed oceans of time to find you. Yeah. Dracul. There's a sinister, darker side to him. I find irresistible. I have never met any man with such a passion for life. He is unlike any man. What are you? Vampires do exist. This one we fight, this one we face. Can take on many forms. He is both young and old. He can appear as mist, as vapor, as the fog. And he can vanish at will. Oh, my love. The power of his evil desire has no end. You've got to go to him. You've got to love him. She is a willing recruit and devoted disciple. She is the devil's concubine. Dracul! Join me in eternal life. Your salvation is his destruction. I want to be what you are. I want to see what you see. I want to love what you love. Take me away from all this death. <laughs> oh, you want to play psycho killer? Can I be the helpless victim? Okay, let's see. No, please don't kill me, Mr. Ghostface. I want to be in the sequel. I like to dissect girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? Look at me, Damien! It's all for you! I am the eater of wolves and of children! You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. to a spooky installment of the greatest October in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 158, Bram Stoker's Dracula. We finally made it after much ceremony from me throughout this year, and I guess years prior probably, but I certainly look forward to this time of the year. Yeah, it's a tradition unlike any other. The greatest October is back. This is our fourth year doing it, maybe? Holy shit. I don't know. That sounds right, Wow. I'm not sure. It's been quite a run. <laughs> I don't know if it's a big deal to the listeners or just to us. I, I'm sure it's not a big deal to the listeners. I think some people get a little excited with the different 
theme music and everything. Yeah, I have had people mention that they enjoy this subject matter. I think if you're a movie fan, you always have like a spot in your heart for horror movies. Yeah. yeah because there's just it's such a fun genre. You can always associate it with the certain like season and time of the year. Yeah. It's festive in a way just beyond what you're seeing in the movie. Certainly. The fall and Halloween and all of that stuff, it seems to have grown in popularity over my lifetime and become a bigger, oh, bigger yeah, deal. Oh, yeah, I'd say so. And horror just endures. <laughs> yeah, for it's me... It's always just a, a given that there's going to be a certain amount of horror movies that do well every year in the movies. Well, we often talk about nostalgia and the times of our lives when we could actually remember being happy. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we often talk about different times like being teenagers, going into college that age. But what I love about horror movies is it, it just reminds me of like being a kid and when they were on TV, like doing horror movie marathons all weekend yes. long or, you know, on AMC or whatever. And just like really that was like a, a big exposure to me for seeing these types of movies, but just watching movies in general. Because you could just knock out so many of these movies over a time period. Yeah. But here we are. It's October. As always, follow the show on Twitter at GreatestPod. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Podbean, etc. Yeah. The show's doing better than ever, it seems like. It is. People really loving it. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So we're kicking things off this year with a big one. One of those rare times i guess that happens every few years where big movie stars big budget yes big time director they all decide that they're gonna make a horror movie and do a big production out of it directed by francis ford coppola screenplay by james v hart based on the novel by bram stoker from 1897 now before we even get into box office numbers academy awards all that shit I think the one thing that is important to remember about this particular version of Dracula is that it was really a return to the source material and it really tried to get rid of all of the campiness okay. that had been going on yes. with Dracula over the last however many years, basically starting with maybe even Bela Lugosi, just a completely different version. You know, not your typical, like, Widow's Peak with True. the black cape and there is all of that kind of, like, some of the cheesy lines yeah. and stuff. There is still some degree of campiness, though. Yeah, but Even I mean... Even at the time, you know, with the lines like, I don't drink Right, well, wine. that came from yeah. that came from the 1931 Dracula. They did right. incorporate stuff from some of the other versions, but this is, in spirit, much more True. like the novel. They did borrow elements that got added to the story after the novels like from the different versions and I'll, I'll go through that list later but i think in terms of aesthetic and tone and look and feel it's much more how the book is rather okay. than a lot of those other versions that people had come to know like the christopher lee versions and all it that seems stuff. like it there's definitely something more legit feeling about listing the author's name in the title of the movie Well, there's some debate as to why they did that. Coppola says that when he uses books as the source material, that that's always a part of the title. That's debatable. Okay. Because, yes, technically it's called Mario Puzo's The Godfather. Wow. I I mean, nobody calls it that. And nobody calls it S.E. Hinton's The Outsiders either. True. 
it seems like they wanted to avoid any potential issue with Universal Studios okay. because Universal owns all of the classic monsters. They did Dracula 1931 originally and hold the copyright potentially for the title Dracula. Wow. Okay. They don't own the character outright, obviously, but... This is making sense. It seems like by adding Bram Stokers to it, they avoided any potential tricky situations with copyright infringement and all that stuff. I don't know. It's a strange journey going into this movie because I think we've probably talked about this to some degree. I, I mean, I am like a Coppola fan. Obviously, we, we did the Outsiders episode. I'm really sort of a follower of the greater Coppola crew with Jason Schwartzman, his daughter Sofia Coppola, Talia Shire, the whole fam. Roman. Yeah. Gia. That's right. But it's hard not to bring up that Francis Ford Coppola's historic career certainly peters off in the later years. Yeah. He had a couple of hits in a row. I didn't mention Nicolas Cage, by the way. <laughs> That's true. Who was potentially considered for Dracula and or Jonathan Harker. But this movie and Godfather 3 were a return to successful movie making in terms of making money and basically bailed Coppola's production company, American Zoetrope, out of bankruptcy. Okay. Dracula was made on a $40 million budget and then it made $215.9 million, which is a big hit. That's actually like way more even than Godfather Part 3, which was like 19 yeah, from 1990. Yeah, I can't believe this movie made that much money. Yeah, it was a big hit. But he had gone through a pretty rough run starting in the 80s. One from the Heart came out in 81. Huge disaster. Huge. Is that the like kind of musical in Vegas? Yeah, it's a musical. Okay, yeah, I watched it. It made less than a million dollars because of the studio pulled out of it. It was like a whole thing. The Outsiders in 83 was a modest hit. But that was almost canceled out by Rumblefish, which lost about $10 million. Oh, wow. The Cotton Club in 84 lost a ton of money. Peggy Sue Got Married in 86 actually did make money, but it was I like that modest. Movie. It was yeah. probably about as successful as The Outsiders. Then there was Gardens of Stone in 87, which was another failure. Tucker, The Man in His Dream, which I can't believe Coppola directed, which was another failure. <laughs> so at that point, it's just one flop after another. Until you get to 1990 with The Godfather Part 3 and then follow that up with Dracula 92, which turned things around temporarily until Jack wow. and The Rainmaker back to back. Yeah, the Rainmaker is actually considered a pretty decent movie, but it also it didn't make any money. It basically barely made its budget back. You always, it's always shocking to me when you go through that and it's like the guy who directed Godfather Part 1, Godfather Part 2, Apocalypse Now, Jack. Starring Robin Williams. <laughs> Just nuts to me. Yeah, well. It'll happen. He hasn't really had much of a hit really since Dracula, I guess. Yeah. But <laughs> kind of a bummer, but it's okay. It happens. Dracula was the winner of three Academy Awards, Best Costume Design, Best Sound Editing, and Best Makeup. Not really like the ones that we're usually watching the Oscars for. I would say that it's interesting because I really don't know what horror fans feel about this movie. I think, obviously, some love it. I don't even really know how it resonates with people from our generation. I know you and I like it, but it doesn't really come up conversationally for me that often. Yeah, it certainly is one of those things that seems like it was lost in time a little bit because yeah. it never, you <laughs> yeah. don't ever feel like you see it on cable or anything. 
it didn't ever have like one of those extended lives where it, it just pops up over and over later. Crossing oceans of time. <laughs> no. It, yeah, I mean, it's not like Roadhouse. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? It's not on like every week oh, or man. Shawshank Redemption or something. So, yeah, I would say like a lot of people younger than us, like in their yeah. 20s now, probably haven't even seen it. The acting in this movie. On one end, you have Gary Oldman, who's like unbelievable, I think. And then yeah. you have Keanu Reeves. It's unbelievable that he's even an actor, the way he's performing in this movie. <laughs> well, yeah, that's part of what I mean when I say that I don't know how people feel about it. I think I can look past some of the absurdity of some of the performances in the movie. Yeah. But at the time when the film came out, even people that reviewed it positively pointed out how terrible Reeves was. Wow, and yeah. I would say like half of those people also did not like Winona Ryder's performance. Neither of them seem particularly great at doing an English accent. True. I mean, Keanu Reeves, though, it's like... He, this he thing, almost, he, you almost expect him to be carrying a surfboard. <laughs> he's well, like, Dracula. It works as Johnny Utah. It's like he's still doing Johnny Utah. I think Coppola cast him in the movie because they wanted a matinee idol for the girls, a sex symbol for the young ladies out there, although this movie's rated R, so I don't really know why they were trying to appeal to young girls. <laughs> so gary oldman as count dracula slash vlad the impaler i mean it's so strange that he's basically the lead in this huge francis ford coppola movie that makes a ton of money and one year later he's drexel spivey in true romance right a guy who has like five lines in the movie yeah just an odd time but yeah, I, I would. This say... was his first big American movie. Okay. Though. I mean, he yeah. had done stuff, obviously, UK movies, and was pretty well known. I think he's great in this movie. I yeah. mean, he really carries it for me. Obviously, you do have some of the cheesiness that's going to come along with the character of Dracula, but I think he does it as well as you can. Yeah, I, well, I think you you have to embrace that with this movie. I think yes. because I think it, this movie. I, I read one review of it from back in the day that said it was overblown in the best sense of the word. Right, like everything is just so over the top and overdone. And if you just embrace that and roll with it, you can really enjoy it. I mean, there's at one point <laughs> a wolf creature is like fucking a woman yeah, outside. Yeah. I mean, you know, you just okay, kind of have yes. to go with it a it little sometimes bit. Sometimes touches on the absurd. Yeah, and you just have to go like, well, things are magic. There's a lot of like, well, it's a supernatural this movie. person right. is hypnotized, so that's why this is happening. You know, you're kind of just rolling with it. It's interesting. I don't think in the source material, the novel by Stoker, that they ever really say that Dracula is Vlad the Impaler. There's just kind of allusion to that. It, it never comes out as clear as it does in this movie. I will say the first time I ever saw this movie... The opening was sort of confusing to me. Yeah. Well, Dracula was based on an idea that came from Vlad the Impaler, kind of taking vampire folklore, which existed prior to Dracula, obviously, right. and then combining that with a character in history who impaled his opponents and was rumored to have drank their blood, although, you know, probably didn't. Well, as we know, two not great subjects for me, literature and history, so... <laughs> Vlad Tepes, on whom the character Dracula was loosely based, was known as Draculea, which means son of the dragon, as his father was a member of the Order of the Dracul, which means dragon. I know, there's a part in the movie where he starts talking about, I don't know, their association with the Order of the Dragon or the Protector of the Dragons or whatever, and I was just having like 
awful like Khaleesi memories. <laughs> well, this is something that's real, but the dra- <laughs> but, but the dragons weren't real. Yeah, right. I don't think. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. I mean, we're right. talking about so long ago. Yeah. We have Keanu Reeves as Jonathan Harker. He was pretty hot at that time coming off of Point Break. I'd and- say so. <laughs> All of those things. Yeah. He's widely criticized for his performance in this movie, but there are certain scenes in it where, again, it reminds me of when we talked about his performance in Knock Knock, where it's almost like there's this meta way to interpret it or view the material where his like lack of acting ability almost helps in a weird way. <laughs> well, it does make him seem like a dud. <laughs> I will say that. And I do think the character is supposed to be a bit of a dud. Winona Ryder as Mina Harker, nay Murray, also Elizabeta. Ryder initially brought the script to Coppola when wow. they met to clear the air over the Godfather 3 incident when she pulled oh, out no. for quote-unquote exhaustion a few months before it was supposed to start. Oh, so making this whole movie was like a makeup call. Yeah, it was all her doing, and a lot of the cast was Ryder's like, dream cast for... The different parts like I think she oh, wanted wow. Oldman she wanted Hopkins who knows what her story was with Godfather 3 I'm not really sure but there was some drama on this movie too because during rehearsals and stuff like her and Gary Oldman got along great and then apparently something happened that no one really knows and then they came back from rehearsals and hated each other oh boy I think we all know then <laughs> I mean it can only be one thing she's later said it was just teenage drama even though she wasn't a teenager and now Gary Oldman's like one of her good friends or something. I don't know. That's okay. like she, so she kind of dismisses it. It's just out. like stupid drama bullshit from back in the day or something. Who well, knows? Well, we know what that means. <laughs> Do we? Come on, it can only be one thing. I don't. I don't know what you mean. Anthony Hopkins as Professor Abraham Van Helsing. He also plays the priest, Love. and he is also the principal narrator. I always think it's weird that he appears as the priest too. Yeah, that seems like an intentional way to just harken back to like you know stage productions or old school right things where it's more of like a troupe of actors just doing something i don't know i do love his uh performance as van helsing in this movie just like the most confident doctor slash vampire killer yeah there's definitely a a touch of comedy to that character that they're going for what background would he have in like vampire hunting and he's just sort of like the world's expert on it well i think the idea is that he's been pursuing dracula for a long time okay at this point and that he is like super familiar with the occult and vampires he pulls out that huge vampire book at one point which i was (laughs) like why is there a book that big with that many words about vampires you know not that obviously this show mentions you know twin peaks far too much but i there is almost like an agent cooper thing kind of but he's a little more callous well that's true and detached from humanity i don't think agent cooper would act as cavalier about lucy's death killing lucy Yeah. yeah well she's undead to be fair well, I mean, it, still, there would be a little bit more heart delicacy, yeah. you know. So, yeah, he's coming off of Silence of the Lambs. And so when he entered the the fray for this part, he got it right away. But Liam Neeson had been highly in the running wow. and was probably going to get it yeah. before they realized they could get Hopkins. He shows up, tells the three suitors, I've acquired a certain set of skills. <laughs> well, at that point, Neeson really hadn't been in, like, too many big hits. This is pre- schindler's list even oh, so wow. that's right 
He had been around, but wasn't super well-known to American audiences. Richard E. Grant as Dr. Jack Seward recently was nominated for an Oscar for Can You Ever Forgive Me, the movie with Melissa McCarthy. Oh, oh, wow. Which we were planning on seeing at one point. Didn't work out. Right. Yeah, he's a guy that's just been in like tons of shit, and you don't really notice him too much. I was actually really surprised when I made the connection that that guy was... The same guy from this, like the guy who was just yeah, nominated for an Oscar that. and was just out and about and was kind of becoming known again. Yeah, I definitely recognize the name, but I, I certainly nothing came to mind as to what I would have known him from. Carrie Elwes as yes. Sir Arthur Holmwood. Who would have thought we'd be talking about him again so soon? Yeah, well, this kind of goes to show you where his career went post Princess Bride. I, you would have like thought he was maybe going to be a Jonathan Harker type like the lead right. of a movie, and he's just kind of randomly one of the other guys. True. Billy Campbell as Quincy P. Morris, Rocketeer. <laughs> That's pretty much the only thing I know him from. Seemingly playing kind of the same character from Rocketeer in this. Sadie Frost as Lucy Westerna. Yeah. Her hair dyed red in this to not look like Winona Ryder. couple of big Lucy fans on this show, I would say. Yeah, Lucy in this movie, whew. <laughs> I mean, I love what's my whole life going on with these three suitors. It it feels like a game show. Yeah, I definitely have notes on that. (laughs) It's very um, ahead of its time, really. (laughs) But yeah, Lucy's funny. She's very sexual. This is a very sexy movie in a lot of ways, I think. Okay. They definitely play into that. Usually wrapped up into vampire stories, I would say. Tom Waits as R.M. Renfield. Yeah, anytime they can sneak in a Tom Waits appearance into a movie, I'm on board for it. Supposedly it was offered to Steve Buscemi who turned it down, but I don't know if that's true. Yeah, I mean, the whole like Renfield character that Tom Waits is playing, I mean, it's hard to really figure out everything that went down with him, but <laughs> I do enjoy Tom Waits just, just playing this lunatic. Yeah, I, I'm always confused as to how he got back to London if he's like that crazy now. I know. So yeah, what drew Ryder to the script and then eventually Coppola was the sensual elements. Coppola wanted it to look and feel like an erotic dream. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, I think the most important thing to take away is that it's just a return to the source material. The original novel, yes, there are parts in this that are a little over the top for sure, and they definitely embrace some of the dramatic elements in a way that's a little different from like a straightforward serious movie, but it's not like some cheesy guy. I want to suck your blood. Yeah, it's yeah. not like Leslie Nielsen right. and Dead and Loving yes, It. Yes. Like it's not like that kind of a vampire. It's like, for example, just having Gary Oldman look so old and demon-like and ghoul-like yes. and odd-looking, crazy at hair, various points. It's not really embracing like kind of the the cheese of a Dracula story. It's it's more like how the novel feels when you read it. Because I did read it a long time ago. I don't particularly remember much about it, but shockingly, I did not. It's definitely more grounded in that. And the other big thing is the practical effects, which I was gonna read a big long thing explaining all that stuff, but we were I, able I, to sort of yeah. I realized that, that it decision. wouldn't be worth it. Yeah. <laughs> There'd be really no payoff, but. Suffice to say that instead of relying on modern technology or whatever modern technology was in 92, they 
did everything with in-camera tricks, practical effects, old school stuff. I mean, depending on what they were trying to do, sometimes they froze the film for a few hours and made it look different. I mean, they did all kinds of like very classic, nearly forgotten things that they did like in the beginning of film. Right. To learn how to, you know, before they had computers and all that technology to come up with effects. I mean, there's definitely stuff in this movie that doesn't hold up. For sure. I I mean, I don't know if I agree with that. Okay. (laughs) I I was feeling that when I was watching it uh, recently, but I think most of it is pretty cool. I think the aesthetic is pretty cool. The locations of the movie are pretty cool. I also really like the score by Wojciech Kalar. I mean, it it reminds me a little bit of like Elfman's stuff from like Batman, but I don't know. There's like a menacing darkness to it, but also, I don't know. It just, it reminds me of like the way that movies used to be. There's sort of an epicness to the score that I just don't think you would really hear now. Yeah, particularly in that ending credit song. The, the Annie, Annie Lennox song? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was actually a big hit. No, I'm talking about the score. Though, no, I not know. The, not that. Right. But yeah, I mean. Yeah, the score is cool. I, I don't remember what movie it was. It might have been like when I saw like a sneak preview for Home Alone 2 or something. But I, I'm not sure what movie I would have been in the theater in like 92 around the time of this coming out. But I just remember being in theaters at least once but maybe a couple of times and maybe commercials as well but i just remember seeing that poster for this movie with that devilish wolfman face in stone with the oh, two yeah. wolf's heads coming out of it on the sides okay right and then it, that would be it and then it would just say like dracula like the date or whatever or wow. just the date I, you know i was like nine years old or yeah. something maybe even eight and i'm just like what is this and it was just so foreboding looking and you're just yeah there's definitely some just sort of frightening visuals from this movie i watched it in sort of chunks and when i turned it back on at one point it went to like a still screenshot saying like resume movie yes or no or whatever and the backdrop was just gary oldman as like the old dracula like his face with almost like i don't know cold blue eyes or something like that oh yeah it's pretty creepy there's some reasonably disturbing stuff in this i think they cut out a lot of like the worst blood and gore and not necessarily to get the rating to be R. They were never in danger of it not being rated R. It just when they did some test screenings, some of the viewer feedback was that it was too gory and too gross. So they cut a lot of that stuff out. I don't really know if that's available as like deleted stuff or not. I, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I think for the most part, though, it's relatively tame but it it manages to get like a few very odd looking and grotesque looking things into it that had i saw this movie at like a younger age probably really would have stuck with me okay so 1462 invasion of the turks going on we are in transylvania a young knight from the order of the dragon is going to defend his people in this war i will say that Prince Vlad has pretty badass gear. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> that like it red really look... devil armor <laughs> shit is yeah. like really cool and weird looking. Uh, yeah, it didn't really seem like uh, something you would have seen out of this time period. But well, one of the things that makes this movie cool and unique is how Coppola approached it, which was he just came up with like weird paintings okay, to give yeah. people. He said, use like these weird fucked up paintings. Use right. your nightmares and your dreams. Come up with weird shit that you want to see or that you've never seen. Yes. They did not want to do anything traditional. And I think his 
suit of armor here, that like red, I don't know what that even is, right. with like horns on it. That is like a prime example of just like they're coming up with weird shit that has never been seen before. And to be fair, I- I'm certainly not an expert on combat gear from the 1490s. <laughs> well, 1460s. Oh, okay. Wow. So, you, I mean, you might want to check that. Maybe you are. Okay. 1460s. Yeah, right. 1490s, no, but 1460s, Potentially. Yes. Young Bride, Elizabeta, played by Winona Ryder as well. I think one of the interesting questions at the center of this movie is whether or not Elizabeta is Mina and Mina is Elizabeta or not. I mean, it seems like she is and that she starts to remember a little bit. Well, but yeah, it's never really it just fully like answered, this, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't know. I was taking it as this conscious connection that passes on, you know, as you are reincarnated. It could be, yeah. It seems like that's where she's going, but you also have to remember that he hypnotizes people. That's true. He puts them under those spells, and also once she drinks his blood, then oh, they have well, that connection. Sure. Yeah. So it's kind of muddled. Vlad goes out to fight this war. I love like the fairy tale aesthetic of the actual battle, and then when he wins, and he's, <laughs> I do like when he's like, <laughs> he just takes his helmet off, and he's like. Praise be to God, I am victorious. And I'm just like, do you just get to announce that at some point? Like, you just decided that you're victorious? And then that run back to the castle where it's, like, through those, like, little mountains and the way that looks. It looks like it's right out of, like, some sort of classic fairy tale or some fantasy novel or something. It looks really cool and weird. But, unfortunately, Elisabetta has received false news of Dracul's death. Yeah. So she commits suicide. I know. It is just like... You don't want to wait for any like confirmation. You don't. <laughs> she need took that source. letter very seriously. Right. I guess it was vengeful Turks who were pissed off. I get it. At what had gone on. But I would be suspicious that vengeful Turks are sending me this death letter. So if you're like a war hero, you come back. They just pull your young bride's soggy corpse and lay it out there for you. <laughs> They're right. like, here it is. Yeah. <laughs> like right like, when he gets there. <laughs> okay. Now I will throw myself from the window. Very unchill priest, by the way. Can't just leave it alone. <laughs> he has to like rub it in his face, like, well, she committed suicide. That's against the rules, so she's damned to hell. There's right. nothing we can do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'd think maybe you would just not say anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Enraged at this news, Dracula He's desecrates. Like, what the hell? I-, I just fought this battle for God. Now he's going to damn my woman to hell? Yeah, basically. Enraged, Dracula desecrates the chapel and renounces God, declaring that he will rise from the grave to avenge Elisabetta with all the powers of darkness. He then stabs the chapel stone cross with his sword and drinks the blood that pours from it. (laughs) Sort of an extreme move. Pretty wild scene going on in that chapel. The priest is just like, what the fuck? Yeah, like one of those other guys standing behind the priest just pulls his cell phone out as like filming this. He posts it to r slash public freakout. It goes viral. <laughs> like, look at this asshole. What the fuck? But really, though, when you think about it, Dracul calls his shot. I mean, he sure. Again, yeah, he just like when he decided he was victorious in war, he just uh, makes this announcement. Oh, he's a bold dude. Like, yeah. I'm going to come back from the dead and live forever, basically, to avenge her death. And it's like, okay, well, I guess he's doing that. Yeah. It, <laughs> somehow he knew that this was going to work. Yeah. And then it cuts to basically four centuries or so later. We're in London, 1897. 
we first meet Renfield, who has lost his mind. This is a cool scene. I feel like this is a cool scene to like open it up with in the time that the movie's now going to take place in. You mean just of Renfield and the asylum? Yeah, like it's just like sort of we're not meeting who the movie's really about yet. We're starting off with like Tom Waits playing this sort of like deranged lunatic. Yeah. In in kind of this cool cell, and I feel like the way it's shot is pretty cool. Like they're doing like this overhead shot of him at first, and then he's eating bugs. Yeah, it's a pretty cool performance from Tom Waits. Very fun, just going for it, being as weird as possible. But his colleague, Jonathan Harker, will take over the account of an old eccentric count from Transylvania named Dracula. Yeah, because Dracula, as years have gone on, he's decided, I need to start buying some land in London. Yeah, this is one of the things that the movie leaves unexplained, although it I think technically it makes more sense in the book, but what they did was combine stuff from the book with other adaptations in years past, and the whole thing gets crossed and weird whenever you're like, well, he was already buying property in London, but then this movie makes it seem like he comes to London because of Mina, which is not anything from the book. Right. The whole connection of him and Mina is not really from the book. The same, I mean, it's kind of made up from other Dracula versions, which you, I mean, technically is a big thing. And you're like, okay, well, how is this more like the book then? But it just is because, I mean, it's more about aesthetic and the feel of it and how it looks rather than the actual plot. Because the plot gets kind of confused in this movie <laughs> where yeah, it's I think so. basically he's buying all these properties in London right. because he was going to come to London to spread vampirism as like a plague yeah that's the original thing in the book but all of a sudden they throw this curveball of like him having this connection to mina and then you're like well wait why was he buying all the properties in the I, first I know place? well he was just like trying to build that resume it's like you know he's defeated armies now he's gonna just be like this giant real estate mogul yeah and it kind of i mean it's reminiscent of things that you see in other vampire lore he has to bring all that dirt from Transylvania that he can sleep in so that's why he has all like 10 properties that way he always like has like a place close it's kind of like <laughs> there's that scene early on in True Blood where Bill is just like I must bury myself or whatever <laughs> you know he's just like digging a hole literally you <laughs> it's a little different I guess if you move to a different area and you have to have ground from your home country so then he needs to like spread it out throughout London that's right. why he buys all the properties Whatever. doesn't seem as big of a deal, though, since he doesn't burst into flames in daylight in this. So That's true. It doesn't seem like it would be that much of a panic if you needed an extra 15 minutes to get back to your house. (laughs) But whatever. It seems like this will be a great opportunity for Jonathan. So he, of course, will go to Transylvania to meet the Count. Yeah, this sounds great. By the way, what happened to Renfield? (laughs) Personal things. Personal problems. (laughs) That's what the guy says. So he has to say goodbye to Mina, his bride-to-be, which is a pretty quick little scene there. And then we just jump right into his trip to Transylvania. Which takes how long? I mean, it, it feels like it would take a while. The one thing that I was trying to figure out is the back and forth between London and Transylvania. Well, at a certain point in this movie, it seems like they're seamlessly doing it. Well, Although it requires boats for Dracula, at least. Yeah, that's the thing I didn't understand was why he has to go by boat. And then I was like, well, what body of water is he even going Oh, through? I know, yeah. But I figured it out, kind of. Wow, okay. And I figured out what body of water. I didn't really understand why he has to go a different way. I feel like you could put 
coffins of dirt in a train just as easily as you could a boat, but it whatever. Feels possible. He goes from the Black Sea down to the Mediterranean Sea, all the way around the Strait of Gibraltar, and then like all the way to like England. It would seem like oh, it would wow, take yeah. like forever. Whereas Jonathan is probably crossing from England over into like the mainland of Europe, and then just taking a train all the way across Europe to Transylvania. Okay. So he's going by land mostly, and whereas like. Dracula's going the long way around later. I I don't know why. <laughs> Sometimes I think with this movie, you just have to just go with I it. I know. Well, <laughs> especially like once you get to the point where they're starting to be like, we need to have this showdown with Dracula. And then it's like, oh, man, he's heading back to Transylvania. and We got to go across the country to do this. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of things that every other time I've seen this movie throughout my life, which has been a decent amount, never thought twice about any of this shit. And then once you're, like, writing the notes down to try to, like, do this for this podcast, oh, right. I was like, wait, why is Dracula going by boat? I <laughs> it never even occurred to me that that was different from what Jonathan was doing, because by the time it happens, you kind of forgot, like, you're not even thinking about it. Yeah. The trip to Transylvania is cool looking, though. It's it's that ghostly orange light out the windows. It's a lot of use of miniatures. He reads a letter from Dracula that's signed D which yes. was also in contention for the title of this movie, which, frankly, I don't think the movie would have done as well. Anytime right. you get too cute with it, when people don't know exactly what it is, it doesn't That's seem like it does as well. about Mina. She wants that D. <laughs> yeah, I would say that like even by the end of this movie, you're like, man, kind of a rough turn of events for old John Harker. You know, know. like, how do you ever recover from all this? At least he gets his normal hair back by the end. Does he? Yeah, because, he, you know, he's gray forever, and then at the very end, he's got his dark hair. Again. Oh, wow. After the train, it's a midnight moonlight carriage drive flanked <laughs> kind of a, by wolves. Kind of a creepy carriage driver? Well, here's the thing. Dracula is definitely the carriage driver. Gotcha. It's a little unclear, I think, and I didn't pick up on this really at first or anything, but it, it's. I think it's more clear in the book, but the idea is like, other than those gypsies who only come around occasionally, <laughs> yeah, and this the, guy is not a gypsy. Right. There's no one else sure. at the castle. Like, no one works for Dracula. He's True. just alone in that castle. Even Clearly, his, what about his three demon chicks? Well, this isn't them. Well, sure. <laughs> right. But he ain't alone. Yeah, well, I guess it just depends. It's like, are they, what's the deal with them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It just seems like this thing, whatever this driver is, is capable of some sort of supernatural I would say magic. So, yeah. so I, I don't know. I, I love just, the part where he just like takes his long arm and scoops Jonathan into yeah. the carriage. <laughs> the thing about Jonathan is he never seems to question anything. He doesn't react to anything until at one point this all comes back up when he's like flipping out. He's like, I got carried across by this crazy carriage driver. There were wolves all around. We went through blue flames. Yeah. <laughs> like at some point you're like, oh, okay. He was actually realizing this stuff was crazy. I actually think the castle or wherever Dracula lives looks looks pretty cool. I was having memories of that movie we went to see, Crimson Peak. Yeah. Especially at the end of the movie when they're back here and there's like snow. Yeah. It was really reminding me of that. Yeah, Dracula's castle, it looks like a large monster sitting on a throne or something at the edge of a cliff. Yeah. It's just an odd looking thing, but it's still like cool looking. For sure. <laughs> I guess way up at the top is where... Elizabeth threw herself out of it yeah into the river not much coming back from that during pre-production of the movie Francis Ford Coppola came up with the idea that when in the presence of 
a being such as a vampire, the laws of physics don't work correctly. This is why shadows often act independently of the figures casting them. I love the stuff with the shadow. Why rats can run along a ceiling upside down and why liquid drips up. Yeah, the shadow is like an interesting, cool thing. This movie is definitely a movie where, I I don't know how to like say it exactly, but I wouldn't say like, oh, you have to like be able to get it. But it's definitely like a wavelength that you have to click onto because I think some people would view elements of this movie as cheesy or ridiculous just because it's so different from everything else and they don't rely on like the same methods of doing things. But it comes up with like a lot of interesting, unique feeling stuff that may not even be that unique because it probably belongs to stuff from like long ago. But it's stuff that by the 90s was definitely way out of fashion and nobody was doing anymore. And yeah, the stuff with the shadows is just like, what other thing has stuff like that? I mean, it's just like a weird little element to it that just feels like old school and just different. Yeah, and the first time I ever saw this movie, from the part where the carriage dude takes him to the castle, and then like these first few sequences in the castle, like legitimately like creeped me out like the first time I ever saw this. This movie is definitely about a feeling and a vibe. I, I mean, I don't know that I would ever say like it's the type of movie that is going to like scare the shit out no, of you or like not. give you nightmares yeah, right. or anything, but it's more like a gothic horror. It's about the weird fucked up romance to it. It's, sure. a, it's about blood and there is, there's some sucking stuff. necks. And yeah, right. It's not like jump scares. And no, no. Like, I think there is some unsettling stuff. Yeah. There's some like creepy stuff for sure, but it's more about like a, like a classic gothic vibe to it. True. I don't know. I think like Coppola came up with a lot of cool shit to throw into this and the shadows and the like shadow, the liquid like, dripping up and all that stuff. It's just kind of weird. I love the shadow like acting out basically like Dracula's feelings. Like, yeah. At the part where he sees the picture of Mina and then he starts like, like the shadows like choking. Yeah, he's like, that's my, that's yeah. my fiance. It's like choking. Him. Right. Jonathan's main purpose in Transylvania is to, Arrange and finalize Dracula's London real estate transactions, including his purchase of Carfax Abbey. Once we meet Dracula, the movie changes, I think, because, again, people are coming into this with their preconceived notions of what they think Dracula's going to look like, and then let's talk about his appearance when we first see him. Bunhead? Yeah, they shaved, like, the front of Gary Oldman's hairline so that and then they put like that weird hair in the back yeah that's crazy he looks like a million years old right which is kind of accurate to how he comes off in the book at first too I mean that's something that is skipped in other versions of Dracula where he's automatically the classic looking Dracula just from the beginning Uh uh-huh but yeah it's just like this old ghoul (laughs) he's got like hairy (laughs) palms ridiculous like robe it's like you're showing at the up at the Playboy Mansion or something. <laughs> just like Yeah, the train on his robe goes on for like feet and I know. feet. <laughs> Jonathan dines alone while Dracula stands there. And this is where I first made the note of the discrepancy in the acting ability between the two potentially adding something to it. Okay, yeah. To at least the viewer's enjoyment of it. Well, I definitely feel like Keanu Reeves comes off as easily manipulated. Yes. Where... In Knock Knock, it's funny because... (laughs) It's also easily manipulated. Yeah. (laughs) I guess that's just what it is. It's just like, when his character has to be a character that 
gets tricked into something or is outsmarted by the other character or something, it's so believable. Yeah. I mean, yes, the accent is terrible. And if you really get hung up on that kind of stuff, it can be distracting. But I don't know. I guess personally, I never care that much about uh, the sure. accents. Yeah. By the I, I middle of the either. movie, I'm not even paying attention Me to neither. it. Well, especially because they're like, one of the characters is American, so you're like, well, that feels like anybody could be then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Winona Ryder, she didn't get as much criticism, I guess, as Keanu Reeves, but I, I feel like there's times in this movie where she's not even doing the accent anymore. I think anymore. that's true. She just kind of abandons it altogether. But, and I'm fine with it. I'm like, yeah. I don't really care. This isn't a biopic about real people. This is just like a play about vampires. I don't care what their voices sound like. But I love the part where Keanu Reeves' character is like writing a letter back home or whatever, and he's basically like, it's become apparent to me that I'm a prisoner here. It feels like he's basically putting like no effort into trying to escape. Like he's never even tried. Well, that's not even in a letter. That's just in his like diary at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Keeping a diary at Count Dracula's castle. The original novel is one of those books where it's not an actual like narrative by like a narrator or a character. It's it's just a bunch of I think they're called like expository novels or whatever, where it's like newspaper clippings, diary oh, gotcha, entries, yeah. and that just you piece it all together and that's the book. Okay. They do a little bit of it in here where they show a couple of articles about the ghost ship and the wolf escaping and all that stuff, but so that's why like Mina is writing a diary throughout it and yep. Jonathan is too. You will I trust. Excuse me that I do not join you. But I have already died. And I never drink wine. An ancestor? I see a resemblance. The Order of the Dracul. Is the dragon. An ancient society pledging my forefathers to defend the church against all enemies of Christ. The relationship was not entirely successful. Oh. It is no laughing matter. We, Dracul, have a right to be proud. What devil or witch was ever so great as a killer whose blood flows in these veins? So they have kind of this tense dinner where there's a mis- understanding over oh, yeah. some chuckling like, where yeah. Dracula is like wielding a sword and growling <laughs> and he says I'm the last of my kind he gives a little bit of the order of the dragon history Jonathan's like maybe we can start over <laughs> Jonathan really lets a lot of stuff go without making too big of a deal about <laughs> yeah. it you were just like spinning around a sword at me <laughs> Dracula catches sight of Mina who he believes to be Elisabetta reincarnated He then decides he wants Jonathan to stay with him at his castle for a month. You know, (laughs) she looks strikingly similar to a woman who once threw herself from the top of this tower into the uh, body of water out there. Meanwhile, Mina is staying with her ultra-wealthy friend, Lucy. Both ladies are virtuous, beautiful. Yes. 
But they're also a little sex crazed, which sure. is fun. Right. Mina says that Jonathan thinks he's too poor to marry her. Lucy, on the other hand, just wants some proposals already. She's almost 20, practically a hag, in her words, <laughs> which I found <laughs> that, to be funny. Yes, that did jump out to me. As you pointed out, once Lucy throws this idea out there, it suddenly becomes the Bachelorette. Oh, yeah. She's got three contestants. She has Quincy P. Morris, the Texan with the big knife. <laughs> She's got Dr. Jack Seward. Renly's doctor, by the way. Oh, he seems to be yeah. working at a an asylum, like that kind of a doctor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Although I think in these days, the idea of a doctor just would apply to all of this shit. Oh, true. The mental and the physical. Right. Well, I think Van Helsing has like multiple degrees. <laughs> and Sir Arthur Holmwood, who is the richest of the three. Right. And I don't know. He's a lord. I <laughs> Chris guess. Hardwick and Jenny McCarthy come like marching in and they're like... <laughs> But while Lucy is entertaining her three gentlemen callers and everyone's kind of enjoying the festivities, a shadow falls over them as the Count now has some sort of a psychic connection to be able to see oh, yes. this in I don't some know. way. This needs to be explained to me. Well, there's no explanation. There you it's go. just hocus pocus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, well, that's the thing that I think some critics had a hard time with. I mean, this movie got overall positive reviews, and it did really well and was considered a success all around. But I do think that some people found the lack of explanations about some items in the story off-putting or confusing. And I think, like, the first couple times I went through this movie, I mean, I loved it. But, yeah, I was like, this. I don't understand. Can people see this or not see this? You know, like... When Dracula's eyes are in the sky and it seems like Mina right. and Lucy see them, but then also just forget about it immediately. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm just like, well, they're hypnotized. It's like in True Blood when they get glamored and they just forget shit. Yeah. Well, a lot of these critics hadn't seen True Blood yet. Years later, they went on to be like, oh, <laughs> well, I Bram mean, Stoker's Dracula no, makes I'm way more sense No, I'm just saying that now. to explain it now. Yeah. But I mean, even before I saw True Blood, I just kind of was like, well, you know, they're hypnotized or it's just magic. Right. It's the same thing as the shadows not acting right and the liquids dripping up instead of down it's just like when the vampires involved like they might see it but then not see it and then forget it or whatever i went back and read roger ebert's like original review of this movie and it was mostly positive but he kind of like summed up at the end basically being like is there some issues sure but i'm in basically i enjoyed it nonetheless yeah i think they went for what would be most entertaining versus what would make the most sense and for some people that's like hard yeah especially since we live now in a world of people making youtube videos like everything wrong with and then movie or whatever you know 15 reasons why you shouldn't like bram stoker's dracula yeah there's that whole channel it's called like cinema sins or whatever it's like i won't even entertain that bullshit for like a second it's like come on make your own movie then yeah asshole (laughs) (laughs) i think they went for what would look cool and be interesting versus what makes the most sense. Sure. And so they just explain that off as like vampire magic. Right. So I don't know if they could tell there's a shadow falling over the festivities or not. Who knows? Guys, guess what? I mean, as far as I can tell, vampires aren't real. Yeah. We get a check in with Renfield. He's screaming about the coming of the master. (laughs) They're just like, shut up. The blood is the life. (laughs) <laughs> that I, whole scene where like Jack is like, "Oh, I'll bring you a cat." Is like, what is going on there? Is he just like trying to get him revved up for I, some I, reason? This asylum, 
is so insane. I I don't understand. It's like, an insane these, asylum. I know. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good point. Yeah. No, but I I just mean like the overall like what's going on here with these dudes wearing <laughs> Those prison cages cells under. over their heads. Yeah. yeah, so that they don't get bit right. or hit. I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. <laughs> it would really suck to be institutionalized it does back seem then. Like a bad place to be. Back in Transylvania, Jonathan is trying to shave. This whole sequence is pretty wild. I love this part. It's a it's a really cool scene. This was my favorite part the first time I ever watched this, just because it's like so unexpected to me when <laughs> Dracula just fucking licks the blood off of the razor the and like yeah. shudders, you know? Yeah. He's like, you shouldn't shave anymore. You should grow a beard. <laughs> grow a beard. I didn't hear you come in. Take care how you cut yourself. It... It's more dangerous than you think. <laughs> A foul bowl men's vanity. Perhaps you should grow a beard. <laughs> the letters I request. Have you written? Put your faith in such trinkets of deceit. We are in Transylvania. Transylvania is not England. Our ways are not your ways. And to you, there shall be many strange things. I've seen many strange things already. Bloody wolves chasing me through some blue inferno. <laughs> that you did not know. What sweet music thing, Mike? Music? Those animals? Jonathan cuts himself shaving, and then Dracula comes in, and he's all over the blood, but then the, oh, the right. mirror cracks yes. when he looks into it. Then he chides Jonathan for wearing a cross around his neck, which I believe is the cross he was handed by those people that dropped him off. Remember Could like yeah. when he gets dropped off before he gets into the carriage with the Dracula guy or whatever he was? Oh, right. He's yeah. in that carriage with those women. Yes. And I think the, one of the women give him a cross because they know that, that be. it's a horrible place yeah, to go. Yeah, that seems right. But Coppola did a, a very subtle thing in this scene where he, the walls actually push in. Okay. So yeah. gradually that you can't even really see them or tell, but it just gets more and more claustrophobic as this goes on with him and, and Dracula in the same room. 
and he's talking to him about not putting his faith in trinkets and all this uh, shit. Isn't this also where Dracula's like, you know, if you want to go around the castle, you can, but... You... Don't fall asleep anywhere right. else. Which is <laughs> <laughs> kind of a strange warning. And then the wolves start howling, and Jonathan is just like, what the fuck with these wolves? And he's like, they're the children of the night, the music they make. And he's like, music? <laughs> yeah, they won't <laughs> shut up. I really think that Jonathan undersells the Count climbing down the side of the castle. I would agree with that 100%. <laughs> this is like the most shocking thing that he's seen so far, and there's been some wild ones, but you almost yeah. wonder what the purpose of this is. Yeah, I don't really know why Dracula does that, other than I guess maybe he wants to reveal himself. Well, I mean, he looks up at him, right? I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, we don't really find out what he's doing until a little bit later when he, he's going out to get something. Yeah. <laughs> So Jonathan, I guess, decides that he needs to explore the castle. He hears some voices that are pretty faint at first, and then they gradually get louder, and they're calling him by name, saying, Jonathan, Jonathan, come to me. It kind of sounds like Mina a little bit. And this is where we meet the Brides of Dracula. Yes. Pretty wild crew here. (laughs) They consulted with an actual magician. Oh, okay. On how to make this scene look cool and how to like have them come up out of the ground and all yeah, this shit. That is cool. One of the brides, Monica uh, Bellucci. Yes. Yeah. Someone who we've I think mentioned a few times on this. Probably show. the most attractive woman of all time. Wow. There's like Helen of Troy. Yes. Cleopatra. Right. Monica Bellucci. Yeah. Right there. And I had another Monica Bellucci dream. <laughs> She's probably like in her early 20s at this point, just a goddess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they basically are launching into a foursome. I think there's three brides of Dracula, although it one is like a, a two-person like a deal. Or twin I don't know what's going, on, going on, because later when Van Helsing kills them, yeah, there's, there's only three, and there's right. only three heads. But in this scene, it looks like there's two that are kind of normal Conjoined. looking, and then there's one that are, is like... It's either two that are like doing some weird move where they're like locked together, or right. I don't know what's going it's on. It's hard it's to just explain. It's weird looking. Yeah. <laughs> but things really never get fully underway for Jonathan in this. Yeah, it seems like they unbuckle his pants and they like, I don't know if they like bite him in the dick or I don't know what. He reacts like, oh. And then that, you know. <laughs> well, he's just enjoying himself. Right then, Dracula spoils the party by yeah. coming back and telling them that. He's like, get the fuck off he's of him. His, yeah. Which is weird. And they're like, well, what are we supposed to have? Nothing. And then he feeds them a baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this is probably the darkest moment so far. It is. Jonathan sort of reacting, you know, not very positively to this scene. Yeah. This is the first time where he realizes that it's not just weird and creepy, it's but it's fucked actually up. fucked up and scary. Yeah. <laughs> and this could end badly. Somehow. Somehow that didn't resonate with him before. This is an example of like things that don't quite add up and make sense, but it seems like they just wanted to include stuff. So this all happens, and then like the next day, basically, he's exploring in the basement, and we see the gypsies digging up that dirt yeah. and loading them in all these crates. Because Why Dracula's they had to take, take the earth to with him? I don't know. Well, that's, he has to sleep in the... No, I know. I, Jonathan was like commenting on oh, that. Oh, yeah, he doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. It seems like Coppola just included this scene to take that scene from Nosferatu, which was a huge inspiration on this movie as well, of the vampire coming up out of the coffin like right, that. yes. Just in a vacuum, this scene doesn't really make any sense. It's like, well, does Dracula hear him screaming? Because he's just yeah. down there in the basement, Dracula pops out of the coffin, and then Jonathan just starts screaming, and then it cuts back to London, and it's like, did that scene even happen? It's not really connected to anything. 
Yeah. But it just looks cool. Some of the transitions <laughs> in this movie are sort of weird and it feels like choppy almost. Yeah, well this is that's what I mean. Like this one this particular scene, it seems like he, they wanted to have this scene in it and right. they were just going to put it in yeah. it. It didn't really have to connect to anything else and make sense. And yeah, sometimes it feels like something is left unfinished, like it just something happens and then it just moves on to something else. <laughs> right. Sort of like our conversations. Yeah. Back in London, Lucy's ch- chosen bachelor number three, Sir Arthur Homewood. Yeah, I, I didn't really feel like everyone got a fair shake here. Well, we didn't really see her process, her thought process on <laughs> yeah. this. They had, they went on the hot air balloon date. <laughs> <laughs> she had sex with all of them. That's right. And then when she tells Mina this, they get caught in the rain together. And then this is when we this is what we were referencing a few minutes ago. It seems like Dracula's watching them from the clouds. You see, like, his eyes superimposed over them. Yes. And it looks like they're looking up at it and reacting. Like, that's weird. And then it just kind of cuts to them running around the hedge maze. Okay, moving on. Well, I wrote, in happiness or madness? I mean, maybe they're acting crazy because of yeah. Dracula and they're under some sort of spell. Because they kiss each other, too. I don't know. Which seems there's weird a, that they threw that into a, the mix. <laughs> a stir in the air, you know? Makes people act crazy. I definitely enjoyed seeing them kiss, but I, I didn't really know what the context of it was. Sometimes two women just feel compelled. Yeah. Dracula heads to London on a ship called the Demeter. Yes. Pretty unhappy voyage for everyone involved. <laughs> yeah, the first mate, I remember, didn't really work out for him. Well, I think everybody ends by up the dead end. yeah. by the end of it. Yeah, slowly... Well, Start- is it this one of those? This is probably like from the book too, because I think you're getting like the captain's log. Yeah. From this journey. Right. It starts with the rats and everything else, and then it moves to the people on the boat starting to disappear as well. Yeah. A little bit too much rat material in this movie for me. Yeah. I don't love it. Animals in London are freaking the fuck out as Dracula approaches, as is Renfield, as are the rest of the asylum. Dracula is really causing a stir, although. I would say everyone except for Renfield doesn't really know what's going on. It's just something that's happening. Like yeah. the, the city's being whipped into a frenzy without really being aware. I noticed Seward, Dr. Jack, dipping into the morphine after that Lucy rejection. Well, you know, <laughs> you got to take the edge off. We all self-medicate. <laughs> Once the Demeter actually arrives, Dracula wastes little time. Seems like he jumps right off the ship. He jumps into that half-man, half-wolf form, and he's, he's been- running right to Lucy. Yeah, he's been waiting a while. So what bit is, of a dry spell going up yeah. in Transylvania. He got tired of those brides. He right. was like, enough of your bullshit. What is his scheme here, though? I mean, we know he wants to get to Mina. Why, why is uh, Lucy have to be dragged down into this? I don't know. It seems like she's just kind of an unlucky bystander. Because yeah. Dr- Dracula wants to feed on blood so he can get young looking again. True. She and was previous- he can also spy on Mina while he's doing this. That's I a good guess. point. I don't she was know. previously unlucky in love, but... Things started to take a turn for her. Yeah, we get that point of view style camera like rushing from all the way from the dock, basically all the way to Lucy's house. And seemingly under a spell, Lucy wanders out into the night during a violent storm. She's never got a good that idea. red gown blowing in the wind. It's pretty cool looking visual I of think her so. like walking yeah. out with the lightning. So it's kind of like lighting up the sky. And the wind is blowing that thing she's wearing like back while she's just walking out into the garden. Yes. Shades of Little Red Riding Hood, really. Okay. Because of what she's yeah. wearing. And I then obviously so. he looks like a wolf. That's a good point. By the time Mina tracks Lucy down, 
the wolf monster is fucking her and biting her throat. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> for those of us who have never seen this movie, maybe a shocking visual. Super awkward. He's trying to impress Mina. He like wants to win Mina, and then all of a sudden, he's this wolf monster fucking her friend and biting her throat. Yeah. It's kind of awkward. Right. But he but says... Of course, Mina is going to be jealous of this. <laughs> he says, do not see me, though, and I think that is like a spell that he it must, casts because right. then it's like she didn't really see it yeah <laughs> you it just kind of have to like roll with it i guess carfax abbey the place where dracula's moving into annoyingly close to the asylum that's true renfield just yelling out the window at them <laughs> yeah. i'd be like i don't really i don't know if i can live here guys doesn't feel like a great yeah i do feel like you know when the realtor's coming by they're like well there is that insane asylum well, that's next the door, risk but... buying real estate back in the 1800s when your country's away no internet <laughs> no zillow reviews yeah you don't know exactly what you're doing <laughs> dracula now wandering london he looks like a suave motherfucker so yeah it worked. Feeding on Lucy really was the trick. I can buy that. <laughs> <laughs> Gave him some life. He whispers, see me, see me now. I guess like undoing whatever he had done the previous night. And now Mina on the street sees him. But at first she's pretty cold and she's shooting him down left and right. He keeps trying to well, get her attention. And her she's heart like, belongs no to thanks. another who she hasn't seen in some time now. I will say she warms up when he, she learns he's a prince. I think so. Typical broad. Well, that happens. <laughs> How long now has Jonathan been away? A long time, yeah. it seems like. It feels like it. But who knows? It's interesting because I think we get that little flash in like the in 1462, and then the rest of this happens over the course from like May to November oh, or really? something like that in 1898. Something I, I can't remember exactly. So it's probably been a couple of months at this point. Because I think the Demeter was first coming over in July. Because I think it says, like, when Anthony Hopkins is doing that narration about the Demeter's captain's log, it says, like, July something. or Okay. But I don't know how many months that boat trip took, so who knows. Uh, yeah, it feels like it's been a while. Arthur Homewood asks Jack to check in on Lucy, whose health is now deteriorating. I actually really like this little scene here between Lucy and Jack when she's yeah. trying on her wedding gown. Because at first... When he first like comes in and she sees him, she's putting up that front like she's still like the same. Right. She's being all like rambunctious. Is this where Jack is like telling her that she needs to tell him everything because he's her doctor? Yeah, and he's like, "You're embarrassing me," because you know she's saying like, "Oh, are you just trying to get alone with me now, right before I get married?" And yeah. he's like, "All right, well, stop." <laughs> and then You're once like yourself. the other people leave and it's just them, and she realizes that. He's being serious as a doctor. She kind of switches off, and then she's just like, help me, Jack. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm changing. I can feel it. So Jack really doesn't know what to do. She's acting insane. Luckily, he's got an old comrade. So he sends word for Dr. Van Helsing, his mentor, who I guess is the world's foremost authority on rare diseases. He's kind of like the Dr. Do House. <laughs> yeah. What do you think of this uh, class that he's teaching? Pretty cool class. I took a history of vampires class in college. Did the professor like finish talking and you all started pounding the railing? Yes. That's pretty cool. While Van Helsing is being called for Dracula's spending time with Mina at a very early version of the movies. Oh, yeah. 
pretty cool movie that they go to see. I think so. At one point, there's just like a nude woman <laughs> walking around. I was like, is this see, like taxi I mean. driver? Right. <laughs> <laughs> he like took her to a porno. <laughs> She's like disgusted. Like, what is this? That's what I mean, though. It's like nudity has been in movies since the earliest depictions. Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely. I mean, people. (laughs) as soon as people realized that you could, like, capture images on something, people were like, well, we got to get nude women. (laughs) Send nudes. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of an odd date overall. He gets very forceful and aggressive at a certain point when he, like, drags her into that room. She's, like, freaking out. Yeah, well, this was something that I was like, to me, I, I mean, this is, like, her Me Too moment. Yeah. But he... It I feels guess he aggressive. Th- I guess he throws on a little bit of, like, the... Whatever his version of a glamour is, like, his hypnosis, because yeah. she kind of calms down pretty quickly, and then he launches into that speech where he talks about crossing oceans of time yes, to find her, which is definitely, right. like, the most memorable line. I think so. Yeah, <laughs> probably the only line that i've ever like quoted from this movie (laughs) to girls yeah (laughs) they're like what are you talking about (laughs) you know like a month god who are you i know you i have crossed oceans of time to find yeah i I think like gary oldman said like of course he was going to do this movie as an opportunity to work with Francis Ford Coppola and and also he hadn't done like a major huge American movie yet but he also thought that he would really like to say that line and see what that was like right because it was just like such a, a this crazy is a cool line. moment I mean but it does feel like he's really putting all his cards on the table early here well he's waited over 400 years That's he's, true. <laughs> he's a little anxious I guess I, I, I don't know maybe I guess to get you have to wonder like what it was like in his mindset. I mean, did he always believe that he was going to find another version of Elizabeth? I mean, it is this what he was waiting like, for? Uh, to me, it doesn't feel like he believed it because he seems pretty like surprised that she's out there, and he's like, "I need to act on this now." But like when he first made that announcement in the chapel when he yeah. stabbed the cross, like what was he thinking? <laughs> <laughs> like what was I the thought that plan? was a hundred percent just winging it right (laughs) and then like when he became like this immortal like demon he was like oh shit now what am i gonna do so yeah then he went out into the countryside he found like the three hottest chicks ever you're coming back to my castle yeah then he got tired of them (laughs) because it was a whole thing (laughs) they kept wanting babies to eat it was a whole thing yeah he was having to go out into the village every night so the escaped wolf from the zoo runs in and then Mina's having an internal struggle while this is all going on. She keeps trying to get away, but then she stays, and you know he's talking some bullshit into her ear, and she's changing her mind. She doesn't really know what to do. Despite her best efforts, she's starting to kind of succumb to his charm. Yeah, and when he tames the the wolf that runs in and allows her to pet the wolf as well, it seems like she's kind of into it. But there's also that tinge of recognition where – you start to think like, okay, well, maybe she is actually Elizabeth reborn here. I know. You get flashes of that. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I kind of am with that too, that yes, she is like reincarnated from Elizabeth, but I think you could make a valid argument that she just resembles Elizabeth and it's his influence. Yeah. He's that's forcing he's this memory this onto her. her mind. <laughs> I, I think either is potentially valid I'm, I'm not really sure he is very aggressive it's like in an interrogation where like someone who didn't even commit the crime by the end they're like <laughs> yeah admitting to it johnny boy 
still at the castle. Now he's at the mercy of the brides, which I'm going to be honest, would be fine with me. I'd be like, this is my life now. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm completely I'm, I cool just, with it. You know what? Dracula left. I'm just at this castle with these three, you know, yeah. chicks. I mean, sure. They want to eat me. They want to drink my blood, but you know, <laughs> I'm all right with that. Yeah. <laughs> Anything I can do to help. Right. <laughs> Do they drink his blood? Yeah, they do. Right, but he never drinks theirs. No, right. that's why he doesn't that, turn into a vampire. Okay. Yeah, which is weird because it seems like Lucy oh, right. starts to turn before she ever drinks his blood. Yeah, but I don't know. But with him, they do drink his blood, and they intentionally like keep him weak all the time. Yeah, right. They do make it a point later to be like, they need to drink your blood, and you need to drink their blood, yeah. which I think is pretty standard for the story as to what constitutes turning into a vampire and then you have to die to be reborn okay yeah because that's what dracula tells mina later right because she wants to turn into a vampire but lucy starts like growing the fangs and shit and at that point it doesn't really feel like she's drank dracula's blood unless we missed it somehow i don't know Uh, it's not shown yeah because we know what happens with mina at the end she definitely drinks dracula's blood but they never really show lucy doing that but then she starts turning, but Jonathan doesn't right. ever from the brides. I, I don't know. They're playing fast and loose with the rules. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe she does drink his blood, Lucy. I, I, I don't know. It just really I, wasn't clear if she did. I don't know. That scene is so shocking. Well, he <laughs> visits her multiple times. True. Remember? Because when Van Helsing first shows up, he's in there. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> he has to keep going back. Nightly, yeah. <laughs> He's addicted to that ass. <laughs> All of the fang marks were like on her butt cheeks. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, come on. We have to have some jokes. Yeah, every <laughs> once in a while. We'll try to get a laugh in here. Dr. Helsing finally arrives in London. Dracula continues to visit Lucy for blood. All of those scenes are very sexual. She's seemingly having like orgasms, moaning. Oftentimes, the other characters don't see anything except her writhing around. It seems like Dracula can disguise himself. (laughs) Van Helsing and Jack run up there, and that's when Dracula kind of just is still invisible, but he goes back out the window. Meanwhile, like Lucy's writhing around on the bed with her boobs out. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like Dracula had a good thing going with Lucy. I always think it's weird, too, that Van Helsing is always like calling the women in this child he's like my god she's a child (laughs) i don't know and then he calls mina a child later too well i mean compared to him van helsing who doesn't seem like he'd even be alive in this time period van helsing the age of that's the thing about anthony hopkins he seems like he was as old in 1992 as he is now yeah i agree with that (laughs) like it seems like he was so old in 1992 and yet he's still alive right i don't know i don't get it so they go through like an emergency transfusion. I don't really know what they're going to si- salvage here. I mean, what science are they using here? Yeah. It doesn't really make any sense. I think Van Helsing says there's a chance that it'll cause her to die, which I guess is their idea of like if because they don't really know about blood type. I guess if the blood types don't match, it might not take. But it seems like the, there's a cut scene here in a second. So they go through this whole thing, and then Homewood comes in, and he's like, what the fuck are you doing? And then it seems like they're going to use his blood instead of Jack's right. in the transfusion, since Could he's the fiancé. Tragic mistake. But then like, they cut to them walking outside. All of a sudden, Quincy's there, too, who wasn't there a minute ago. <laughs> These suitors just hanging around. Yeah, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I think the idea is that they all become friends. I think Coppola had the three of those guys, those actors, like do bonding things oh, together good. to yeah. like, like create this weights. camaraderie, like hot air balloon yeah, rides true. and stuff. I don't know. That's the second hot air balloon reference, but I actually think that was like a real thing that okay. he had them do. Good. Just stuff like whitewater rafting together or something. Okay, so then the three of them are walking outside, and that's when like Van Helsing's out there, and he goes into his whole speech about it being vampires and yep. them freaking out. And I they, know what this is. I recognize those bite marks. But it feels like there was a scene deleted because we last left them. It was just the two, Jack and Arthur. Right. They're about to do a transfusion, and then they come outside, and then Quincy's there, and one of them says something like, well, now she's had the blood of two men put into her or whatever. And it's like, well, wait, did they do two transfusions? Like, what exactly? It just seems like something was cut out, like where they've jumped ahead and they've done multiple transfusions, and now Quincy's around, and somehow yeah. she did her body didn't reject the blood from either person. I, I, that seems insane. I don't know. That went past me, but either way, I mean, this the results of these transfusions meaningless. Well, especially when Dracula gets pissed in a in a bit, and he decides that it's just over for Lucy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, as we said, Van Helsing recognizes Lucy's affliction, but first he wants to go eat. <laughs> Dracula continues to spend time with and seduce mina he uses absinthe and i guess straight up hypnotism to work on her mind no one else around town really kind of concerned with this relationship well who would be watching over mina at this point i don't know it seems like someone would yeah but she doesn't really know those suitors that well and her only friend seemingly is lucy who's bedridden got her hands full yeah and we never meet Mina's parents. I don't know if they're really around. I want to get to it later. Like, what the fuck is going on with Lucy's parents who we never meet? And so it's like, she's clearly living at home. I mean, she's a single woman that's right. 19. She's And that she's living in, in this, a like, huge manor. house. Yeah. They just never really appear, even though she's dying constantly. Right. <laughs> they're busy. It's like less than zero. They're just like on vacation somewhere. <laughs> the further things go along with Dracula and Mina we're getting further along with the idea that Mina is actually Elizabeth. She's seemingly remembering this life, this connection to this guy. It goes beyond somebody that she just met on he the street. He just keeps like forcing this on her and she's like, "Yeah, th- you know, y- you seem familiar." Kind of a weird scene where he turns her tears into diamonds. That would be a good power to have. So, yeah, that leads me into wanting to read this real quick. Although the film more closely aligns with the novel than it does with most of the previous on-screen versions of Dracula, several elements of the movie were taken from previous Dracula adaptations. Renfield being Harker's predecessor, the characters are completely unrelated to the novel, has been used in numerous previous Dracula movies, starting with Nosferatu in 1922. The scene of Dracula rising from his coffin for the first time is also taken from Nosferatu. Dracula's line of dialogue, I never drink wine, has also been used in numerous previous Dracula movies originating with Dracula in 1931. The idea of Dracula's motivation for coming to England being to find his reincarnated lost love was first used in Dracula from 1974. The lunatics in the asylum rioting to signal the coming of Dracula was used in Dracula 1979. References to non-Dracula movies include Dracula turning Mina's tears into diamonds, a reference to the John Cocteau movie Beauty and the Beast from 1946. Oh, wow. Lucy's glass coffin, taken from versions of the Snow White story. 
and the window in Lucy's bedroom, that big like walkout window thing taken from the Frank Capra movie, The Bitter Tea of General Yen from 1932. Wow, so a whole amalgam of... A lot of different influences going into this. Meanwhile, Jonathan somehow manages to escape the castle by climbing out a window and then like rolling down the side. Feels unbelievable. Yeah. It's on a giant cliff. Feels unbelievable that he would want to. Yeah. <laughs> feel, feel like things were going pretty well with the three brides. Right. Yeah, it's not re- exactly the Shawshank Redemption, you know? While he's doing that, Mina is having the iconic candlelit dance in that black room with all those candles. Yes. One of the more memorable iconic images. The, the Disney version. <laughs> That's true. Well, they might have, did they come out the same year? Was, I don't know. It had, had to be around the same 92? time. Yeah. The nuns help Jonathan and send a letter to Mina. She's urged to come to Jonathan and be married as soon as possible. Once she receives this letter, it kind of snaps her out of her trance because she's willing to just kind of fuck it with the sweet prince. (laughs) She's like, all right, I'm going to go do this, and no one can ever know that this happened, but I'm ready to forget that it happened. Even though, like, seemingly the night before, she was dancing and having a great time. Yeah. Typical broad. Well, you know. (laughs) Things change. Lucy's in rough shape, though. Yeah, Lucy's <laughs> Mina not Mina goes good. to show her to tell her the news about Jonathan, and first she's like, well, I guess I'm, I'm not going to go. Because <laughs> <laughs> you need me. You're clearly dying. Yeah, wow. Tremendously selfless act from Lucy, though, giving her that ring and urging her to go. You should go. Look, look at Lucy's me. Lucy's actually like gonna a, do a really me? good person. I think it's funny because they... They, they launched so quickly into her being, like, this super-sexualized person in this movie. Not that there's anything wrong with that, yeah. but it's just different. Like She's like the Mina Suvari character from American Beauty. No, I mean, part of it, her appeal to these suitors is that she's, like, so pure and virtuous and kind and good and beautiful and, ev- and rich and everything. She's, like, such this great character. And this is, like, the one time in the movie where she gets to show, like, her being a good person. Yeah. But she is always talking about, you know, her sexual exploits to Mina. But then, you know, she's like, well, it was in a dream. Yeah. Well, you know, I think part of what attracted Ryder to the movie was the idea of how repressed women were sexually at the time. And how this movie is just like this exploration of that in a certain context with these two women especially the stuff that mina gets up to (laughs) you know with dracula yeah but lucy in the same way i think they're trying to be realistic about the hormones and like what women would really be like when they were given the chance to express themselves privately together it's kind of fun to put that kind of dialogue oh sure into these people during this time period when they're looking at the Arabian Nights book. Right. <laughs> Which is like, sexual it's like weirdly, like, yeah, like you think it's going to be Aladdin, but then it's the Kama Sutra, weirdly, it seems like. <laughs> Lucy's having trouble breathing. This is when she's got like the, the fangs coming through, and there's that weird scene when Quincy comes in, and she seemingly has that ability to just suck people into being seduced if she well, like gets them in her trance. And, you understand that. I mean, her titty is coming out. Yeah. And she's always like, Quincy kiss me <laughs> and they're immediately like okay yeah <laughs> everyone is yeah <laughs> seriously van helsing pulls out a huge vampire text which i thought was funny just this enormous book yeah with so many words in it about vampires in 1898 well he's definitely prepared for any situation 
even a timeless undead prince of darkness can get stood up for a dinner, apparently. Absolutely. Mina's headed to Jonathan, and Dracula's freaking out by himself. Yeah, he's like, what is going on here? I had her right where I wanted her. That's when he has like the weird partial demon face, and he's like oh, crying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> screaming back in that room of candles. He's like screaming wind. <laughs> this is when he decides that it's over for Lucy, I guess, as some sort of retribution or something. Well, he's Consolation angry. prize. Listen, we know he's an emotional guy. We saw what <laughs> happened back in that church or whatever all those many years ago. Van Helsing comes to the realization that the foe he has pursued forever is behind all of this, and that would be Dracula, who I guess he has some familiarity with. I think the idea is... Even though is, like, only he considers him a foe. Dracula's like, who's this Van Helsing idiot? Sure. I think the idea, though, is that Dracula was the first vampire. Okay, yeah. You know I what I mean? I can get behind that. that. So he is the originator of this all. And yeah. I don't know if they really get into this necessarily in this movie, but I think potentially the implication would be that oh. anybody he's turned into a vampire yeah. would be turned back and everything he's done would be turned back. Is there like some John Carpenter vampires logic going on here? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I'm not really sure. I just. Yeah, I, know I know that know. like that. Mina seems to not be a vampire. He definitely. Once. Van Helsing definitely understands that Dracula is stronger than any other vampire they're gonna come into contact with. Yeah, Jonathan and Mina are married in some sort of a Eastern European ceremony. Not this really is sure the what's first appearance of gray-haired Jonathan, right? Right, it's coming from a traumatic event. There is some concern over whether or not Winona and Keanu are actually married because of this. They brought in a real priest who didn't really speak English. Oh, wow. So there's some thought that they may actually be married under whatever orthodox ceremony this was. Okay, cool. I I don't know. When I first heard about this, I, I think Winona first started talking about it last year. I was under the impression that they had filmed this movie in other countries. I didn't really realize that they had all built sets and all this stuff, but they they actually brought this priest in to redo this scene. The the, the original version, I don't know what it looks like. It's never they got rid of it. They redid it, and that's the one that's in the movie, but they brought in this actual guy and, you know, he was actually ordained and it seems like they could potentially be married, although I'm sure that the priest said he's definitely saying Mina at one point, so I don't know if okay. he used the wrong names. That, if that counts. Count, then. <laughs> although if I was Keanu, I'd be like, well, we are married. <laughs> Dracula comes for Lucy. That's intercut with the wedding itself. And then the next day, Lucy is a bride painted white in a glass coffin. Yes. Big fan of this, of this look. Yeah. The painted white. Lucy. Right. I'm not really sure why she's all white like that, but it, it's definitely cool looking. It especially is cool when she's looking. a vampire. I agree with that. It has like an iconic look to it. Yeah, because they bury her in the wedding gown. <laughs> she I just know. looks insane. It's an insane look. I love it. It's so cool. But I was like, when, they, when they're doing the viewing of the body and everyone's standing around, and this is when Van Helsing's like, well, we're going to have to drive a stake through her heart and cut her head off. And they're like, what the fuck? Yeah, I know. I'm like, well, where are her parents? Right. They're still not around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they didn't make it to the wedding or the funeral. Mina and Jonathan return to London conveniently quickly. I don't really understand how fast. I mean, it seems like they were just being married in another country, and then they get back, like, what, the first night that Lucy's dead? Yes, I, I guess so. Yeah, The time of the trip starts to not make sense. That's what I mean, yeah. Yeah, this, unless you're saying, I think 
in the book and in other versions of this, Lucy prowls around as a vampire for a while before it, it, they don't just kill her the first night. Gotcha. But the way that this movie makes it seem, she was just buried, and now they're gonna have to go do this, and he right. manages to convince. Homewood and That's Dr. True. Jack and Quincy that they got to go do this now. Yeah, Van Helsing is definitely not sensitive to the fact that she just died. Yeah, it gets a little blurry as to what the time is because then, you know, Mina and Jonathan are returning and Lucy hasn't even been killed yet as the vampire. Tell me about Van Helsing's confidence, though, too. He never really acts like the stakes are that insane. Like, sometimes he'll be like, yeah, Dracula's pretty tough, but it's just like, you know, we'll just kill him. <laughs> Some of the stuff he says even before Lucy dies when he's, like, describing what she is in this situation. And he's, like, you know, the a whore of dark, <laughs> the whore of Satan or something. <laughs> the then he's, like, the devil's like... concubine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the one dude's just, like, not for nothing. I was just engaged to this chick, like, 24 hours yeah, ago. cool it. <laughs> Once they're back in London, Jonathan recognizes Dracula as a young man. He's, like, hey, that's him. He's young. I don't really know how he recognizes him. I wouldn't, him. yeah. <laughs> okay, let's talk about my favorite scene in the movie. When the dream team of Van Helsing, Quincy, Homewood, and Dr. Yes. Jack go to Lucy's empty grave. Right. So they go into this crypt, which is like next to a pond. It's almost like something you would see in Interview with the Vampire or some plantation down south. It's like this whole thing on the property that's like a crypt yeah it's like an estate yeah it's just odd and then they go in there and there's stairs leading down to where the bodies are it's like i mean it's something where like you know uh, a king or a queen would be buried well I mean, it's just lucy like a, is a queen <laughs> that's true the queen of my life that's right <laughs> so they go in there they crack open her cement block to find the glass coffin empty which is weird that she got out of it and then sealed it back up. I don't really quite understand why they had to break into it. Wouldn't yeah, that it still wasn't be open? Yeah, that was making sense to me either. <laughs> so she gets out of that somehow closes and then just closes it back up to the point where they have to like remove the cement top. <laughs> Strange. Conveniently, while they're there and waiting for Lucy to come back, she returns pretty quickly. With a child. With a snack. Yeah. <laughs> Which Apparently. I do like how, like, it's she just couldn't feed on this kid, like, at the house or whatever. Like, she had to, like, bring this back. Well, they wanted, she wanted to, to build watch up. a movie while she ate. They wanted to build up, like, the horror of the scene. The audience is thinking, like, okay, well, she's going to eat this kid in front of us. If she just True. ate somebody out there, then we wouldn't get to see it that's, and interact that's a good with point. it. All right. I guess the real life child actor. Not thrilled that she had to do more than one take. She was really scared and oh, freaked really? out. <laughs> and they had to really like convince her to you oh, know no. that everything was okay. <laughs> still going to therapy from this. I mean, Lucy is pretty terrifying. I mean, she's painted white and she's got those fangs and everything, and she's basically like a monster. Yeah. <laughs> Where is she? Where is she? She lives beyond the grace of God, a wanderer in the outer darkness. She's vampire, Nosferatu. These creatures do not die like the bee after the first sting, but instead grow strong and become immortal once infected by another Nosferatu. So, my friends, we fight not one beast, but the legions that go on age after age after age, feeding on the blood of the living. 
and it is done. Take the stick in your left hand. Place the point of the heart. Then in God's name, strike. Do it now! The way they do this is like really cool looking too, where... You know, she drops the kid and then Jack rescues the kid and then Van Helsing is like holding up the cross and like yelling that stuff. Yes. And basically like doing like an exorcism. Yeah. He forces her like back into the coffin by yelling the stuff and with with the cross. And they shot this in reverse. So they actually shot it like her getting out of the oh, coffin. Right. That's it why it look looks really, weird. This effect looks cool though. Yeah. So it's like she like leaps back into the coffin and then it's like kinda like I don't know. The motion is all like weird and choppy right. feeling because they because they did it in reverse, and she like comes back out and spits the the blood in his face. It's yeah. kind of cool. But I mean, ultimately, she it's not like she really poses much of a threat. I guess no, because she's like a new vampire. That is the one thing. I mean, we've got Van Helsing, and then we've got these three idiots. And I, I mean, I know she's a new vampire, but yeah. even a new vampire should be able to like put up more of a fight than this. Well, once they get into combat modes with any of the vampires including dracula it doesn't seem like they're that hard to beat exactly it's just a matter of getting them into the situation yeah because van helsing kills the brides pretty easily mm-hmm. no trouble and then even when even the, dracula yeah the final confrontation yeah. with dracula is like pretty easy too i do yeah, like that he to... says a moment's courage and it's over when he hands the stake to homewood and I thought it was funny because I'm pretty sure there's like other references to a moment's courage in things where it's like, you know, if a, if like uh, if it's like some teen boy wanting to ask out a girl or something, okay. and they're like, I, I feel like they say like a moment's courage, and you know, then it happens. <laughs> it's like a moment's True. courage to drive a stake through her heart. <laughs> Poor Lucy. Yeah, gets her head cut off, and that's the end for her. Well, that's the thing. They have to do like the stab in the heart and like the decapitation. Yeah, which. I was thinking to myself, vampires and samurai have that in common, actually. Because I've seen that depicted in some samurai movies. You have to movies. do a stake through the heart? Eh, well, it's just like it's like a dishonored samurai or whatever has to like, stab themselves, and then somebody else like decapitates them. Oh, wow. Not quite like a wooden stake, but I was like, this is I'm seeing some similarities here. Now to kill Dracula with Jonathan and Mina entering the scene and being on the team now. When they first go to Carfax Abbey to track down Dracula, Mina says, I've never seen anything as pursued as this count. I almost pity him. And Jonathan's like, how can you pity him? You shut the hell up. She's like, it's none of your business. Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Stop asking so many questions. But that's the thing. She knows who he is at this point. It's it's up in the air. I don't know if they've really explained it to her because she does take it as like a shocking reveal later that this man that she had spent time with is the one right. that killed Lucy. So she clearly hasn't put all the pieces together. <laughs> yeah. She's like, wait, why are we pursuing this guy? <laughs> they didn't tell her that this is the guy that killed Lucy, I guess. I don't know. They take Mina across the street to the asylum while they're going to do this shit. Right. She has that interaction with Renfield, who, for whatever reason, just decides to betray Dracula, his master, in this moment. <laughs> yes. I don't really know why. He's just like, well, he's you kind need of to get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he suddenly becomes like normal for a minute. It's like, you should get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> this shit is about to get weird. The gang of five, Jonathan, Van Helsing, Quincy, Homewood, Jack. Right. Well, I always consider Van Helsing, and then it's like the crew of three, and I, I kind of feel like they never really let Jonathan into the group all the way. He's kind of more of a well accessory. I think he kind of gets involved more That's towards true. the end. They destroy the Count's boxes of soil, but Dracula is in bat form, and he's like hanging above them, and they don't know he's up there, and he escapes and flies over to the asylum where he enters the asylum as Mist yes. and then kills Renfield for betraying him. Renfield ultimately is kind of a pointless character. It's true. It doesn't really factor into anything. I would love to see more of his backstory and like what happened when he was with Dracula. I have to imagine that that's been done in some movie somewhere. Sure. He then comes to Mina, and this is a very erotic scene. Okay, yeah. I, agree I with mean, that. obviously, Lucy is the light of my life. Right. I love her to death. But if we Ram could turn Stoker's this nine and a half weeks. over into pig cast for a minute here, good lord, <laughs> is Winona Ryder hot in this scene? Okay, Holy yeah. shit. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. <laughs> we now return you to the regularly scheduled program. I mean, do you agree? Yeah. I think she looks good in this. She's got that like see-through nighty deal going on. Yeah. She just looks really good. I love it. <laughs> she betrays Jonathan in this scene, I guess. Not shockingly. And it's particularly bad because it's not really just a physical thing. She is like, I love you. I know. Well, <laughs> I want to be with you. Turn me into what you are. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's way over the top. Well, he was just a very confident dude and he showed up. I mean, Jonathan was always kind of like, you know. Yeah. He is very much like the anti-Jonathan. Jonathan's like, oh, I'm too poor to marry you. I'm a loser. Dracula's just like, come with me, toots. We'll have the time of our lives. Yeah. Mina. Shadow of this for all eternity. I love you too much to continue. Take me away from all this death. They are definitely saying ridiculous things to each other in this scene. I mean, it's so like over the top soap opery. Oh, right. Well, even he, this is like where Dracula is just like a sap, too, because he's just like, I don't want to turn you into a... Yeah, same old song and right. dance. 
recreated in True Blood amongst many other vampire things <laughs> yeah. where being a vampire is a curse. I want to spare you from this. She's insistent and she ends up drinking his blood. Right. When he like really cut, going for it. Yeah. Cuts his chest. Yeah. Kind of gross. It's one thing if you and your buddies walk in on your lady banging another dude. It's another thing when you see you her and your buddies walk in. This is going on. It's just like, what the fuck is yeah. happening? <laughs> She's got like blood all over her face. Uh, can we still get an annulment? So this, her drinking the blood, that starts her down a path. They're interrupted by the gang of dudes. Low moment for Jonathan here. Dracula, though, all of a sudden is just that bat creature again, and then he ends up backing into like a dark corner where he can turn into rats, and then the rats run out of the room. Yeah, I don't love this part. <laughs> it's kind of a cool effect, though. It's just like, it's a, yeah. again, it's like the shadow thing. It's like it's something that you never see in mainstream big movies. I mean, this is like a trick that they would have done like in the 20s or 30s in yeah, a movie. True, yeah. But it's kind of like a cool-looking idea. This definitely has that, like a throwback vintage feel. Oh, for sure. As Mina now begins to change into a vampire, Van Helsing hypnotizes her and learns via her connection with Dracula that he is sailing home in his last remaining box. Although she's a semi-willing participant in this hypnotism. Kind of. I, I don't really get it. It feels like she dedicates herself well, to Dracula. Yeah, I mean, she's she kind of like circles back and is she's, like, well, maybe that was It's like mistake. that internal struggle yeah. just goes on. Because when she's in his presence, she seemingly is more under his spell. Gotcha. The hunters depart for Varna to interrupt him, but Dracula reads Mina's mind and evades them. The hunters split <laughs> Which up. Which a lot of this is happening with like narration, right? Kind of. Well, no, they do have that scene where they're at the one train thing. This is where yeah. like the this is like the last 15 minutes where the it kind of gets overly complicated. All of a sudden we no have reason. to leave London. And head back right. to Transylvania. Well, they, I think He's they wanted to have home. the last thing at the castle, which I get, right. but yeah. The, so the hunters split up. Van Helsing and Mina travel to the Borgo Pass and the castle, while the others try to stop the gypsies transporting the Count. <laughs> yes, these gypsies that work for Count Yeah, the gypsies who dug up all that dirt, they're back in the mix. I mean, they've referenced it enough times about how they're loyal to the person that they work for to the death and all yeah, this shit. Okay. I mean, I think that's fine. Well, they have to, like, make it so that there can be, like, an action sequence at That's the true. end. Or else having all of these people involved really doesn't make sense, I guess. While Mina and Van Helsing are alone together, Dracula's brides reenter the mix. Because they beat them to the castle. They're basically, like, waiting outside the For castle. For a while, it feels like. So they're trying to influence Mina. And so Mina takes a page from Lucy's playbook where she tries out a seduction attempt on Van Helsing, which again, like all of Lucy's attempts, seems to work. She like basically kisses Van Helsing, oh, right. and he's like all in for a minute. <laughs> he's like, "Fuck yeah!" <laughs> but then he's she, like, "Dracula, who?" She has fangs, so she's like almost a vampire at yeah. this point. He takes out a communion wafer and stamps it to her face. True, which, which slows her down, has an impact, and it like leaves a burn mark on her. Then he, I guess, he's just making up the rules as he goes along, because then he just creates a ring of fire to ward off the brides and the brides like can't get to them because yeah. of this van helsing is just like shockingly good at like well he's like vampires. dracula he just yells out things and then it's like okay well i guess that's what's happening <laughs> right. now dracula's like i won this war everyone's like yeah well i guess he won he's like i'm gonna live forever in evangelism <laughs> and, and they're happens. like yeah he's yep. a vampire now he created it <laughs> and now van helsing is like well the only way to beat this guy is to just yell out rules 
and then, then I'll, they'll just happen. So he's like, all right, this ring of fire will stop them. And they're like, damn it. <laughs> they're like, I guess we have to give up. So he waits till daylight, and then he just goes in and beheads the three brides in a very anticlimactic, right. easy scene. And then uh, their situation, their sleeping situation, just is throws weird their too. heads off the fucking castle. They're just sleeping out in the open. They don't sleep in a coffin with dirt and all the whole thing. I didn't really understand that the, either. I had a lot of questions about how this all went down with the bride gang. You're, I feel like he would have gotten one look at Monica Bellucci and been like, "I can't kill this." You know, demon. Yeah. Bride. Well, there was a deleted scene where he had a little fun first. Oh no! <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. The movie up until this point is pretty awesome, and everything is. You know, there's some weird shit in it, but I think you can like roll with everything, and it's this pretty epic story. But this like last race and chase scenario leading up to the whole thing at the castle here, it just feels like it's so like thrown on. Oh sure, yeah. Okay, we'll just throw this on to the end, and this is how it'll be. All right, well. <laughs> Good enough. <laughs> yeah, that'll do. They couldn't really figure out how to end this thing. So while Mina and Van Helsing wait, the rest of the gang chases down the gypsies. It's kind of this whole tense thing with like the approaching sunset. And they're trying to hurry up and do this before the sunset so Dracula won't be able to really help them. I think it's kind of cool that like they have the camera inside his coffin at one point. So you oh, right. can see that he's awake. And he is somewhat aware of what's happening. Yeah, he's yeah. just waiting till the sun goes down. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. So and he's is... like communicating with Mina like telepathically. Right. What is their plan here? Who? The hunters. They just want to kill him. That's it. Yeah. I, it just feels like I, I don't know. They didn't have another opportunity during this whole chase. It seems like this chase is conveniently they weren't able to catch them until like right okay, as right. they were getting to the castle. Gotcha. I yeah. mean, it just worked out like that. So they pull up. Quincy tries to get into the coffin. He's stabbed in the back. The sun sets. Dracula bursts from his coffin right at sunset. That's a pretty cool shot. But then he doesn't really do anything because Jonathan slits his throat immediately. Right. <laughs> and, and then Quincy runs up and stabs him in the heart with the big Bowie knife. Oh, yeah, which has been referenced a couple times in the movie. Mina and Dracula then retreat inside the castle. Well, doesn't Van Helsing say, like... Well, yeah, Van Helsing and Jonathan both... Well, first Van Helsing stops Jonathan, but then Jonathan and Van Helsing stop Homewood and the other guy. They're like... She has to do this or something. Yeah, I don't know. It's almost like it would have been better if they didn't give Keanu Reeves any lines right. during this part because he's like, our work is done. Her work has just begun or whatever. You and you're like, like but like, what is... I mean, she's a vampire now. Again, I mean, the ending is not good. I don't really understand this either. I guess they're just assuming that she's going to do the right thing now. (laughs) Because Dracula is so near death at this point. Because his head is almost cut off and he's almost been stabbed all the way through the heart. It's just like almost there. I don't know. Okay. But yeah, I mean, you would think, well, isn't she just going to like nurse him back to health and not kill him? Yeah, and then that seems equally possible. Vampire power couple. Yeah, it seems like that could be possible, too. I don't know why they know that she's going to do the right thing all of a sudden. But they go into the chapel from the beginning right as Quincy dies. He's the lone casualty from the group. Yeah. Inside the chapel, the candles come on by themselves. Dracula turns young again. Oh, wow. Seems like he's about to die. He says, give me peace. Mina plunges the knife further through his heart. The burn mark on her forehead from the communion wafer disappears. Yep. They have this last weird, gross kiss. 
and then kind of <laughs> hilariously and sudden she just takes the knife out of him and cuts his head off <laughs> you're just like oh shit okay wow. <laughs> really going for she it she could be cold then it pans up to that painting on the ceiling of them when it's elizabeta and oh yeah dracula which <laughs> i mean in some of the plot synopses it's like now they can be reunited and go off to heaven together and i was like wait dracula gets to go to heaven yeah it seems <laughs> what like are the rules <laughs> I, I feel like he's crossed some lines that you can't come back from yeah. i mean maybe you could just leave it at like they're finally reunited at death i don't know why we have to say that but whatever and that's it that's your movie folks wow we made it through yeah pretty cool it's, it's a movie that i wanted to get to for one of our greatest octobers for a while it's i think it's a pretty fun one to start as like yeah. a kickoff i do think it's a really cool movie I, I mean some of the stuff you heard me being critical about earlier i just think that like some people watch this movie and, and kind of just be like eh, i don't know if this is for me it's kind of weird and it yeah, feels kind of hokey i feel like you can make that case for any movie though that's a good point i don't know if it's for me yeah well that's true yeah <laughs> Yeah, I, I know, know what you mean, though. I think definitely all types of movies are different wavelengths. And if you, if you can't get on that wavelength that the movie's going for, then it just doesn't work. Right. And this is kind of a, a weird wavelength to go on for a Dracula movie, for a horror movie. But it's cool. If you're down to get weird, this is a fun one. Yeah, I think you have to embrace the over-the-top nature of the story. And they're really pushing dracula as a romance kind of a crazy supernatural timeless <laughs> spanning centuries spanning an ocean of time and type it is romance. It, it is fun to see gary oldman in this performance throughout the whole movie really and something you kind of can't take your eyes away from keanu reeves delivery of dialogue throughout the movie <laughs> he's like eating a bag of doritos when he's like fighting dracula <laughs> yeah. like dracula dude <laughs> Yeah, not it's, so far. It's pretty wild. So let's get into recommendations for this week. What are you doing? What? What? Vincent stopped making picks. Well, how am I going to know what movies to see? We have a wide variety of Gene picks. Gene's trash. I'm Gene. Did you think of one? The only thing I've been watching is The West Wing. So I'll okay. recommend that. Streaming on Netflix. Okay, the West Wing NBC if you're an show. Aaron Sorkin fan. Yeah, I've never watched it. Sure, I mean you're gonna be a little bit like, oh my gosh, with this dialogue and like this over so many episodes. Yeah, right. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, I think you and I talked about it the other day. The idea of a 22 episode season of an hour long show. Yeah, it's, that's and, I crazy. Mean, there's like multiple seasons of it. It's just like insane but yeah lindsay has been watching it so i've been seeing a lot of the episodes with her and I, i'm having a good time with it i only ever watched sporadic episodes i never watched it end to end which is kind of what's going on for me now but i mean you could certainly see why it had so much acclaim yeah okay so the west wing and my recommendation for the week is hustlers in theaters now the new film written and directed by lorraine scafaria oh yeah Starring Jennifer Lopez, Constance Wu. Yes, I need to see this. Yeah, I do think that a lot of the praise that's been out there is a little over the top and a little ridiculous. But it's really an enjoyable, fun movie. It's like a nonstop montage, which is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just, it's a style. It owes a little bit to Scorsese-type movies, but I don't think that's necessarily a negative it seems like it would be a fun time. Yeah. 
All right, so that'll do it for week one of The Greatest October. We have a lot of episodes and a lot of stuff planned. So That's right. We're just getting started. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. Thanks for listening, and pay attention to that feed, because you never know what days are going to come out. We're cramming a lot into this That's month, true. so yeah, get we're ready. Be busy. Follow the show on Twitter, at Greatest Pod. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts and everything else, and we will see you next time. Come